Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. So if I were to start off this talk today with just a real simple question, an open-ended question, honestly, why do you choose to convert your hard-earned fiat money into precious metals, into physical silver and gold? You know, I'd likely get a wide range of answers. And I think most often the case, uh, many of you guys and gals would give me more than one answer, right? Reasons A, B, and C, or, or a dozen different reasons, all the above as to why I'm choosing physical silver and gold. But, you know, there's really one, you know, there's a couple, honestly, but there's really one reason that, that seems to be very common among among many uh, uh, different uh, investors and different uh, styles of investors, and that is that they see gold and silver as a hedge. And ultimately, we have to ask ourselves a hedge against what? Is it a hedge against uh, the stock market crashing? Is it a hedge against uh, uh, you know losing your job? Is it a hedge against the bond market crash and a financial collapse? You know all of those things. You could argue, you you could very easily hedge against those things by simply owning cash, owning fiat. But but no, I mean a big part of why we're choosing silver and gold is because we we think that you know what's coming, what we're hedging against is going to be more than just a collapse of the stock market or the bond market or what have you. It's going to be a collapse of the underlying fiat currencies that the system runs on. Now, is this going to be drawn out? I would argue that this collapse started a long time ago. It's it's certainly accelerating. Will it ever you know enter hyperinflation? You know, thousands of percentage uh, of inflation each year uh, in something like the U.S. dollar. Well, that remains to be seen. But certainly, I think high inflation is on the horizon. But again, overarching ideas is a hedge and an ultimately a hedge against inflation or hyperinflation. And that kind of brings me to the title of this video, of this talk today, podcast, whatever platform you're watching it on. This was a, a topic that was suggested by a, a commenter the other day, uh, Gurpreet Singh. Uh, he says, please make video on asset prices of real estate, stocks, and commodities in a hyperinflation. Thanks. And, and he adds on a little smiley face at the, there at the end. Now, uh, I'll be honest, you know, right off the bat here, I'm going to be primarily focusing on, you know, quote unquote, commodities, silver and gold, if you want to call them commodities, sure, but not so much real estate, not so much stocks uh, today, maybe in a future talk, but certainly mostly just silver and gold here today, and, and how they'll behave in hyperinflation. So I, I kind of want to present you guys some, some different ideas here, some different viewpoints on it, and kind of come to my own conclusion. Uh, which I think many of you guys know what my conclusion is that, yeah, silver and gold are a great hedge against hyperinflation, but I want to back that up. Okay. So uh, I think a good place to start uh, in many of my videos is to do a bit of research. Not always. Sometimes it's just a quick article I read. Sometimes it's whatever, something I already have, you know, knowledge about, but I start off with a quick bit of research. In fact, if you go to Google, now these results might be different from person to person because of the way Google works. But if you go to Google and you type in Gold during hyperinflation. For me, the number one article that showed up was an article from Barons.com titled, Gold Won't Protect You From Hyperinflation. Well, interesting, because obviously we've heard a lot of people say otherwise. So, you know, looking into what this article says, it, it's it's really, okay, I'll, I'll hold my, back my judgment for here for a second. But basically, if you read this article, what they point to is, is two different things, uh, three different things in the end, because they come to their own conclusion as to how the best way to protect yourself against inflation, and you guys will laugh at this, but uh, basically they, they pointed an article, first of all, which we'll be talking about here in a second, uh, which, which basically says that, no, it doesn't. It doesn't really protect you from 
uh, hyperinflation. And then they go on to say that, well, it's surely not a, uh, it's not a sure bet because the price of gold fluctuates over time. Okay? And then finally, their solution, this is a quote, if you're looking for an investment that is guaranteed to keep pace with inflation, a better alternative for gold might be treasury inflation protected securities or tips. These are treasury notes or bonds whose principal is guaranteed to grow with the U.S. consumer price index. The exchange-traded fund that invests in tips with the most assets under management is iShares, tips bond, et cetera, et cetera. So that's their solution, to buy some inflation-adjusted treasury bonds that protect, protect against inflation. Now, this set off red, red alarms right off my bat. You know, first of all, why are they, are, are, do they have an agreement with iShares or not? Or, or and this, this just reeks of kind of establishment financial, uh, not at all, you know, a very linear way of thinking uh, what could possibly go wrong with this. But when you look in the past, as well as you know what's going on right now in, in, in Venezuela in terms of economic data, you'll find that during periods of high inflation, or even what we're experiencing now here in the United States, government manipulates inflation data. And so, you know, Venezuela, they might put out a number like we're experiencing 100% inflation on a year-over-year basis, when in reality it's in the thousands of percentages. Uh, but, you know, if they were to have, I don't know if they do or not, but if they were to have something like these tips, bonds or notes, uh, then people that own them would be getting a, a, a an adjustment that is far off from the actual inflation number. They're just going off the official inflation number. And same thing goes for for. You know, relatively mundane. Uh, I won't use the word benign, but but more mundane inflation that we're experiencing here in the United States. You know, two, three percent. That is, you know, officially stated anywhere from one to three uh, uh, percent. They they can say that, but in reality, it can be much much higher. And, and of course, the U.S. government would win out there because they're they're paying out uh, fewer amounts. So, anyways, that's quickly you can kind of destroy that whole argument that if you're worried about hyperinflation, something like tips are as a ridiculous recommendation. Right. By no means of, of what I'm giving today, financial advice or anything, but that's ridiculous. But anyways, they do quote this article here. And this is an article titled The Golden Dilemma. And by article, I mean like a, an academic journal article. Okay, This is written by Claude B. Erb from Los Angeles, California, and Campbell R. Harvey from Duke University, Durham, North Carolina, also works for the National Bureau of Economic Research in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And, and they're going over gold and, and its role versus inflation and as a hedge and whatnot over time in this article. I'm not going to go over the entire thing. But, but I do want to focus on this case that, that this Barron's article quotes here. And they're talking about hyperinflation that Brazil experienced over a time period from 1980 to 2000. You know, over this time period... Brazil experienced, let's see, on average, a little over 250% inflation each year. So cumulatively, we're talking about, let's see here, uh, it's a massive amount of inflation. Um, I don't know if they have the total amount here. Uh, I, I'm sure they do somewhere. But but 250% each year is, is a massive amount. And and what you find and what the IMF found is is that when you look at the price of gold over that time period, Compared to you know the inflation, if you can somehow normalize the the Brazilian currencies, they changed over time during this period of hyperinflation, twenty years. Uh, you'll notice that gold actually lost purchasing power. Purchasing power declined by seventy percent over that time span. So what's going on here? How come it's it's declined by seventy percent during a hyperinflationary period? Well, actually, if you look at the price of of 
gold in other currencies during that time period, you'll notice that they had also lost something like 70% of its purchasing power because if you guys know any history about the you know past history of silver and gold uh, around the year 1980, that was a very high period for, for gold historically. And it actually came down, uh, inflation adjusted after 1980. <clears throat> and so they're kind of cherry picking numbers here. And so, yes, it declined 70% in purchasing power for Brazil, but it so did it, it basically did for everywhere else in the world as well. So it's a really poor example. And, and they kind of point that out. But but right away, I mean, they kind of discreet, you know, they, they, they show this example. <coughs> Excuse me. But but then they go ahead and kind of destroy their own argument. Uh, it, it definitely doesn't work out. And then you look at other examples in the past. Uh, they also bring up the example of of Weimar, Weimar, however you say it, the Weimar, Weimar Republic. Uh, and the hyperinflation that they experienced in the uh, 1920s, basically, um, that during that time span they they experienced hyperinflation, and that gold actually outpaced the hyperinflation. In fact, I've got this from a different website, CaseyResearch.com, that gold increased uh, 1.8 times more than the inflation rate during that time span, from from 1919 to 1923. Which is really interesting because in this case, it's actually outpacing inflation. And in fact, if you look at the gold price during that time span, which is, you know, again, vary from place to place and, and, and certainly back then, you'll notice that it was basically steady in dollar terms over that time period. And if you inflation, you know, if you adjust for, for inflation, um, again, it, it didn't increase a whole lot during that time span. Now... It was a very different time, though. Again, I'm trying to present you different arguments here. It was a very different time in which things like paper markets and, and settlement of these these paper contracts and arbitrage and whatnot, it, very different back in the late 19-teens uh, and, and 1920s. Very different time period. Um, and, and you know, for, for one specific locality to experience, an, uh, you know, hyperinflation and for gold to outpace that in a place like Germany, that would be more expected during you know, the 1920s versus Brazil in the 1980s and the 1990s because of how the world financial system changed during that time period. So I don't think these are at all good comparisons. Yes, I mean, we have the example of, of Weimar Germany and gold outpaced and hyperinflation during that time period, but that vastly differs from the gold market and the global financial system today. And the other case of, of gold basically keeping pace, you know, holding purchasing power, uh, or at least you know not not declining faster in in Brazilian currency versus other world currencies, kind of shows us that well it's kind of just keeping pace with the hyperinflation in the case of Brazil. And in fact, you know I don't know how much research uh, this this article does on other places. In fact, they give a list of all these other places that have gone undergone hyperinflation. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code POD. That's ShipStation.com with the code POD. Inflation. Um, let's see. These are dating back to, uh, uh, looks like in the, most in the, in, in the, the, um, 
Oh, actually, they have a really old one back here of, of France in 19, 1795. But otherwise, they have you know, Angolia, Argentina, Armenia twice, etc., etc. They go on and on down this list of, of showing all these different hyperinflation periods. And, and I would suspect that in modern times, for instance, Venezuela right now, uh, or, or, or Russia uh, in 1992, or what, whatever, you know, I, I would suspect, suspect that you'd find that in modern times, gold and silver are basically keeping pace for these smaller currencies, these minor countries, and their hyperinflation. Because ultimately, what matters is the price of gold in dollar terms, or euro, or yen, but certainly not something like the Venezuelan Bolivar, right? So, we really have to wonder here, if we're talking about hyperinflation, or, or high amounts of inflation, 50% a year, or 10%, or whatever, in in U.S. dollar terms, or in euro, or yen, or pound, or yuan, or ruble, or rupee, or all the above, we're really in a different scenario here. If the U.S. dollar were to experience 50% inflation on a year-over-year basis, that is going to have a far different effect on investing habits, on the financial system, on the bond market, on the stock market, etc., worldwide, not just the United States, but worldwide, than what Brazil experienced for those two decades there and their hyperinflation. Because obviously the U.S. dollar is kind of the de facto world reserve reserve currency. Uh, Many countries hedge in uh, U.S. dollars primarily, as well as other forex, uh, other foreign currencies, um, and, and U.S. treasury bonds. Okay, so this would be a very different situation than Zimbabwe or Venezuela or, or something like that undergoing hyperinflation. And, you know, another thing, uh, a concept that, that comes to mind is the race to the bottom that we're kind of witnessing. We have been for a while now in terms of, of global currencies. Race to the bottom, race for, for a, a weaker and weaker currency, whether we're talking about the yen, the yuan, the ruble, the rupee, the dollar, uh, the, the pound, the euro, uh, and, and some of those other smaller currencies, they're, they're all seeming to be heading in the same direction of devaluation. And so, you know, if we have a time period here in the future where the dollar's inflating at 50%, but hey, so is the yen and the yuan and the pound and the euro, and, and most of these major world currencies, then that's a very different picture. Because now, now you don't just have a relatively small amount of money or investors invested in Brazilian stocks or real estate or whatever. No, you have a majority of the world's financial system with most of their investments based on stable fiat currencies worldwide. And all of a sudden, all those fiat currencies are racing to the bottom. They're all inflating at a very rapid percentage or even just the dollar or even just the euro or just you know a couple of these major ones. And then I think what you would see... And again, this is a little bit of speculation, okay, but this is my take on it. This is my opinion. This is my conclusion that in that type of situation where, where it's more than just Venezuela, it's more than just Weimar Germany, but it's worldwide or pretty darn close, then you're going to see a real scramble for safe haven, tangible assets, right? It's it's going to be billions, trillions of of uh, money that's currently invested in stocks, in bonds, uh, speculative real estate, um, and and derivatives, and 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 currencies, and and on and on and on, that will be shifted into something of of real tangible value. 
Now, this this certainly extends beyond silver and gold, right? Uh, real estate potentially for for some, especially large uh, spenders. Um, other commodities potentially, even even with poor economic growth, because believe me, this type of inflation would destroy economic growth uh, worldwide. Uh, even other commodities could potentially do better than something like stocks or bonds or, or fiat, right? Uh, even something like copper or iron or, or, or uh, aluminum or something, something that's really dependent on economic growth could still do well. But then there's silver and gold, which you know I think would really shine in such an environment because, and no pun intended, but because they, they really fit a lot of criteria that many of, the, many of those other assets don't. Okay, so you got the, those other commodities, oil, which I forgot to mention, but other metals, uh, 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 you know, uh, consumables like, like, like foods, grains, etc. Okay, you have all of those, but those are very sensitive to, to demand and, and therefore economic growth or, or uh, demand that's based on economic growth, okay? You have real estate, which is not very liquid. And, and in fact, many of those other commodities wouldn't be either. But a lot of real estate isn't necessarily liquid. And so it depends on, on what their investment horizon here is. And, and do they need liquidity? Is that a big concern? Um, and, and, and then you kind of have silver and gold. And I get it. Silver is kind of an industrial metal as well. I mean, gold has industrial demand too. But but silver, it's it's I think over 50% of total demand is invest uh, industrial uh, in, in nature. But, you know, again, this is... A bit of a digression here. There's a bit of a of a of a tangent I'm going on here. But but one of the big things I'd always talk about with silver in an economic decline is that uh, you're going to have declining production because so much silver is produced as a byproduct at primarily copper, gold, zinc, and lead mines, and and those are almost all primarily industrial in demand. Besides gold, of course. And so when those drop off, demand for, for silver will drop off. Plus, this big demand, this investment demand piece that I'm talking about here, all this money, capital, whatever you want to call it, moving out of these other assets that are highly uh, sensitive to inflation, the trillions floating around in, in bonds and currency in particular, debt, and moving that into something of tangible wealth. And yeah, stocks might, to some extent, that the very good stocks might benefit from that as well, sure. But as a whole, I think silver and gold really shine in that type of environment. And it's far different from, from something like, like Brazil. And so you got to wonder, you know, would silver and gold outpace inflation, high amounts of inflation or hyperinflation in that time period? And, and I think, you know, again, my take on it, my opinion is that, yes, it would because of this uh, uh, extra demand, right? Demand matters for price, too. In fact, you know, this article is talking about, you know how good is a hedge uh, of a hedge is gold against inflation and whatnot, but yeah, you can look at gold versus inflation dating you know back ten years, twenty years, thirty years, etc. And and during sometimes time periods it performs outperforms inflation, other times it might not. But there's so much more to the physical gold market than that. I mean, first of all, there's the paper market, which is rife with manipulation, but you also have the physical demand piece of it and physical supply. Right, and so it's it's certainly more multifaceted than that, uh, but but over a more acute time period, one year, two years, five years, ten years, even you know, twenty years, which uh, you know in the case of Brazil, but even shorter than that, uh, those things are are not as important. And more important, what you're what you're focusing on is is preservation of that, right? And so I mean, let's say in terms of purchasing power, 
silver and gold maintain their value during a, a hyperinflationary collapse in a given country or, or a global hyperinflationary collapse. I'd, I'd be happy with that because I know a lot of other uh, investment tools uh, wouldn't keep pace with that. Uh, they, they, they would would lose their purchasing power, right? Um, if, if they only kept 80% of their purchasing power, that's still better than a lot. Of, I, I think they would do more than that, but that's still a lot better than a lot of these other assets. But I think what, what will be the case is that you're going to see a, a massive outperformance. Not, not 10 times maybe, but an outperformance, uh, an increase in purchasing power uh, that will also be tied together with, with a, a decline or end of manipulation or, or at least certainly a change in how that works, um, as well as, as a, a market in which the physical market matters more than this, this kind of phony and, and over-leveraged uh, paper market. But that's kind of my take on it. That's my perspective on why I think, yeah, gold and silver will do very well in a hyperinflationary environment. I think that, that you know, when you really look at, at what type of environment it would be, they would outperform. Uh, they would gain purchasing power in, in, in such a scenario, uh, especially if it's, it's, if it's a major currency we're talking about or, or a global hyperinflationary event. But again, even if, you know, if you are, are somebody that lives in, in, I don't know, Mexico, India, uh, Indonesia, uh, Argentina, Venezuela, etc. You know, a smaller currency, a smaller country, and you're worried about hyperinflation. Then you know, look no further than than Venezuela. Look no further than than uh, uh, Brazil, where it's going to at least maintain its value on on the global market. Uh, yeah, the global market's going to fluctuate in price, but but again, that seventy percent decline in in Brazil uh, from 1980 to to, to two thousand. That's that's. There's more to it than that. So that's kind of cherry-picked numbers. So as always, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this video down below in the comments section. Uh, and, and, you know, another thing to keep in mind is when I'm talking about Venezuela here, you know, you oftentimes hear these reports of how much silver and gold is worth on the streets. And, and I'd love to quote something like that in this video if it, if it was credible, but oftentimes I just don't know if it is or not, right, that, that silver is worth a massive amount or gold is. Uh, maybe that's the case uh, on the black market. But... We can still focus on on these these more verifiable numbers and and still come up with a, a very plausible, a very valid reason as to why silver and gold will do well in a hyperinflation or a high inflationary environment. So, as always, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this video down below in the comment section. Thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video, listening to this podcast, and God bless.